Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to a very special episode of Milo Time, Daryl Kessler flying solo. Going to try something here. Um, one thing that Milo certainly loved, as his friends know and his family certainly knows, is the New York Jets NFL football team. And the Jets pulled off something remarkable over the last couple of days. And I think it's only appropriate for me to use the Milo Time format to discuss exactly what happened with the Jets and to begin by talking a little bit about where we were coming into the season, where we went in game one, and then where we are going in the future with the New York Jets. And I've mercifully decided to spare Lisa Cohen. Lisa certainly knows that um, her husband and I spend enough time talking about the Jets in her presence. She certainly doesn't need to be part of any further discussion concerning the Jets. And by the way, depending on how this episode goes and on how it's received, um, it may be that I'll make this a weekly feature uh, because, again, certainly the Jets, something that Milo loved very much. And quite frankly, this season is shaping up to be bizarre, unpredictable, if I know the Jets, ultimately very disappointing, but certainly newsworthy. So here we go. Uh, Just a few random thoughts. As usual, um, nothing prepared at all, but certainly the Jets have been on the back page of the sports pages since their Monday night win over the Buffalo Bills, and certainly lots to talk about. So let me empty my brain a little bit here, and again, we'll see how it goes, uh, whether the audience responds to it and whether there is more to talk about in the weeks to come. Um, As I started by saying, Milo certainly Love the Jets. Um, I've been a Jet fan my whole life. Um, I was a Jet season ticket holder along with Lisa Cohen's husband, David Hillman, for roughly 16 years um, from the mid-90s until the Jets moved into their new stadium, at which time they sought to extort us for a personal seat license for each of our tickets. And we decided that it was ridiculous for us to pay ten thousand dollars for the right to buy a ticket at a yet to be determined price so we gave up our season tickets and frankly have i think both determined that while it's fun to go to a jet game every now and then we don't miss it all that much um much better to go to a jet game maybe once a year twice a year not worry about the ridiculous parking prices the ridiculous drive time or public transportation time and to watch from the comfort of our own homes Um, So that's where we are with the Jets. But I've certainly been a Jet fan my whole life. I've seen um, a few highs. I've experienced four AFC Championship games, dating back to the Miami Dolphins Mud Bowl. Um, There there was the uh, Bill Parcells-Vinny-Testaverde game in Denver. And then there were the two in Mark Sanchez's first two seasons with the New York Jets. Unfortunately, none of those games... Uh, were uh, resulted in wins, and the Jets never advanced to the Super Bowl in my lifetime. The Jets did win a Super Bowl in early 1969. It was the 1968 season in January of 1969. And uh, unfortunately for me, um, I wasn't born yet, so I've never been alive to see the Jets even participate in a Super Bowl, let alone win one. Um, 
Of course, any discussion of football, I feel sort of obligated to just mention that although I'm a big football fan, people have asked me many times, why are you a sports fan? Why are you a football fan? Why are you a baseball fan? Why are you a tennis fan? Why are you a soccer fan? Why are you a hockey fan? My answer is always, I have no idea. I think I've said on the podcast a number of times that I'm quite certain that if I took all the hours that I've wasted watching sports and talking about sports and put it towards some more meaningful endeavor, I'd be a much wiser, smarter, more learned, more scholarly, more useful person. Um, But that's not the way it is. And why am I a sports fan? Why do I like sports? I have no idea. But here I am. Now, football in particular, of course, there is the additional caveat um, concerning what it's doing to its athletes, which is absolutely awful to even contemplate. Um, Every day there's another report or every week there's another report or every month there's another report of a former football player, not even an NFL player, high school players, college players, uh, former professional players um, suffering from the after effects of CTE or suffering from CTE, the after effects of repeated blows to the head. And if you think about it a lot, in some ways, it's unconscionable to even watch the sport. And sometimes I do get that feeling. When I was growing up, I used to be a big boxing fan. And it's impossible for me now to watch boxing. I can see a future where it's impossible for me to watch football. Again, people are doing things by choice and for good money. But at the end of the day, it's hard to escape the fact that it is a lot of African-American athletes acting and being paid, but acting at the direction of a lot of non-African-American coaches, owners, and it's not to suggest that people aren't acting of their own volition, but it is to suggest that there's a lot to think about here in terms of what we're asking football players to do, how we reward them, and then most importantly, how we treat them once they're deemed no longer useful for our viewing pleasure. That's a discussion for down the road for Uh, this podcast, perhaps. It's one that's well underway elsewhere. But that out of the way, I do want to talk a little bit about the Jets. Um, You know, coming into the season, I was probably a little less optimistic than most, as I usually am about the Jets. The Jets in the offseason, the big signing was Aaron Rodgers. I am not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm not a big fan of 39-year-old quarterbacks. It's almost unprecedented besides Tom Brady and maybe George Blanda. I can't think of another quarterback who played so late into his 30s uh, and into his early 40s as Aaron Rodgers was pushing to do. Um, We'll come back to Aaron Rodgers a little bit afterwards because I don't want to have the focus of this entire episode be on Aaron Rodgers. But let's just say that I am usually pessimistic about the Jets, and I was pessimistic about this season. I think a lot of people were thinking that bringing Rodgers was the final piece to deliver them to the Super Bowl in light of how good their defense was last year, in light of how good their draft was last year. I didn't quite buy it, and going into the Monday Night Buffalo game, my prediction was that the Jets would end this season with somewhere around nine wins. 
I think other people, other Jet fans were a little more optimistic thinking 10 or 11 wins. But again, I admit that as a lifetime Jets fan, I was particularly pessimistic and typically am pessimistic about the Jets. And for better or worse, the Jets rarely disappoint. That is, they rarely fail to reward my pessimism. That's not to suggest, as many fans of many franchises do, that the Jets are uniquely awful. I think that there are people in many, many cities who believe that their team and their chosen sport are the worst team out there. And it can't be the case that every team out there is the worst. And frankly, in the last 15 years, the Jets have been to two AFC championship games. Just in the NFL, the Detroit Lions have never been to one. And they've been around for a lot longer than the Jets. So careful what you wish for. But the Jets have been a pretty bad franchise pretty consistently for a very long time. And that has fed my pessimism, no doubt. Anyway, so everybody knows the news now. Big signing, Aaron Rodgers. Lots of optimism among the Jets fan base elsewhere in the football community. And of course, as typically or often or happens to the Jets with some alarming regularity, uh, disaster befalls them before people can really even get going. Four games into his first game with the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is injured. Not clear what it is at the time, but it doesn't look good. And of course, we now know Aaron Rodgers ruptured his Achilles tendon and will be out for the season remains to be seen whether he'll ever be back in a Jets uniform we'll get back to his statement from this morning but suffice it to say that um, he is out for the season and in even more typically Jets fashion the Jets completely flipped the script come back in shocking fashion and end up beating the much heralded Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills 22 to 16 in overtime on an incredible punt return by Xavier Gibson and shocked the world and shocked the NFL and certainly shocked the Jet fan base. Now, this is unique for the Jets because for many, many years, Dave Hillman and I have joked that the Jets almost always find a way to turn a positive into a negative. They'll win a game, but then you learn that something else happened or they draft a guy and he's great, but, or Something happens to the Jets, and there's reason to be optimistic, but this time the Jets kind of flipped that script and did it in exactly the opposite order. Aaron Rodgers gets injured right away, and yet the Jets managed to come away with a, I wouldn't call it miraculous win, but it certainly is one of the most memorable wins ever. And my older son, Max, was at the game, and he still has the horse voice to prove it. Um, totally unexpected, Jets down 13-3. to they kicked the field goal. I said to Alon at the time, you know, the Jets are kind of hanging around this game. The defense was phenomenal. Um, special shouts out to Quinn and Williams and Quincy Williams. The Williams brothers were both phenomenal. Cornerback um, Sauce Gardner um, and um, DJ Reed both really ultimately did a job on Stefan Diggs, although Diggs is a handful and uh, had some completions against uh, Sauce Gardner, which is no small feat. Um, the defense was just wonderful, guys flying all over the place. And that was without Carl Lawson. And I understand that Lawson may be back in the rotation this week. So the Jets showed um, where the strength is of this team, with or without Aaron Rodgers. It's on the defensive side of the football. And the defense was just spectacular. Buffalo had a couple of decent drives early on, and then the Jets went into lockdown mode and made Josh Allen look 
very, very mediocre. Now, some of it was on Allen, but three picks by Whitehead, a fumble by Allen recovered by the Jets, and the defense kept it close. The offense, then led by Zach Wilson, did just enough, and the Jets pick up a miraculous win. Um, totally unbelievable, totally shocking, um, and we'll enjoy 1-0. and A lot of people want to analyze the Aaron Rodgers situation, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but at the end of the day, the first six games of the season for the Jets are very difficult. The first five in particular, the sixth is against Denver. Most of us going into the season said if the Jets are 3-3 three and three after six, they're often running in good shape. I believed, with my typical pessimistic view, that it was more likely the Jets would be two and four. Um, but winning game one and going one and oh definitely puts them on a good path. So I'm pretty excited about that. The problem is going forward, they're going to try to be winning games with Zach Wilson at the quarterback, and that's a problem. So let's talk a little bit about going forward with the Jets and talk about the upcoming Dallas game. Dallas fresh off a 40 to nothing thrashing, embarrassing crushing win over the New York Giants. Obviously not embarrassing to Dallas, but mortifyingly embarrassing to the New York Giants on national TV. It really did look like the worst of any Jets game in the last two decades. Basically, Dallas came out and looked like a Super Bowl contender, and the Giants came out and frankly looked completely unprepared um, and overmatched physically, by the way. Dallas's stock and trade is they're extremely fast and athletic defense. And from the very beginning, it was obvious that the Giants were completely unable to block Dallas on defense. Micah Parsons ran roughshod and um, that Dallas team, and in particular that Dallas defense, is a handful. Dak Prescott's a solid quarterback. C.D. Lamb is a supreme talent at wide receiver. Tony Pollard can probably do enough at running back to keep defense is honest, and the Dallas team is a true handful. And look at that, the Jets get them in week two. So what is that going to look like? Well, I'm not going to say anything totally unique here. Zach Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers. He's not him in a lot of ways, but even with Rodgers at 39 and Zach Wilson in his mid-20s, Zach Wilson is nowhere near the quarterback even this year that Aaron Rodgers is. It's without question. And in fact, Zach Rogers didn't look particularly, Zach Rogers, Zach Wilson didn't look particularly good in the Dallas game. He did just enough to complete a touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. And I'll say just enough. In fact, he didn't really do enough. It was an incredible effort by Garrett Wilson to come down with that catch. But he did just enough. Sometimes quarterback is like a manager in baseball. When the team wins, you get the credit. And when the team loses, you get the heat. Even if the wins aren't Largely your doing and the losses aren't largely your fault. That's just sort of the way it is. So Zach Wilson gets a pass for running an offense that was designed for Aaron Rodgers. And he came in cold, not expecting to play an offensive package that wasn't designed for him. Sit behind a center and an offensive line that had grown accustomed to Aaron Rodgers' cadence and running backs that grown accustomed to Aaron Rodgers' handling of the football, and with tight ends and wide receivers who had grown accustomed to Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. So Zach Wilson gets a pass for his on-field performance and gets a huge pat on the back for staying cool, 
for after that first awful interception, not turning the ball over again. He did try once throwing across his body, running out of bounds, but that wasn't intercepted. And he gets a pass, and we keep the book open on Zach uh, Wilson. Now, here's where we get to the Dallas game. Here is where the Jets' new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, has to earn his paycheck. It's easy, or relatively easy, to design an offense around a quarterback you've been working with for years, who's an all-time great, four-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer, etc. Now Nathaniel Hackett has to do something very different. He needs to build an offense around Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson, as we've already discussed, is not the same quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. What does that mean, building an offense around Zach Wilson? I think it's pretty simple. Again, I'm not splitting the atom here. The idea is the Jets have three running backs who are capable of carrying the ball 10, at least 10 times a game. They have Brees Hall, who looked absolutely phenomenal in the Monday night game. They have Dalvin Cook, who looked like he still has a little mileage left in his body. And then they have Michael Carter, who is a very good change of pace back. He was two years ago, and I suspect he will be again this year. I'm sorry they waived Zonovan Knight. He was very effective last year, but let bygones be bygones, and the Jets have to play with the hand that they've been given. Um, the rookie from Pitt um, is potentially helpful too, but basically the Jets are going to go with a three-man rotation at running back, and this now has to be an offense that relies on its running game, that doesn't turn the ball over, that throws the ball when needed, and that throws the ball away and doesn't turn it over. That's the recipe. And what that means, Jet fans, get get used to it, I hope, is a boring offense, an active punter, and not a lot of turnovers. That is the recipe. I wish the punter wasn't active, but in reality, you can't say you want to run a conservative offense that protects Zach Wilson and not expect some third down plays where Zach rolls out, short drop, and throws the ball away so as not to take a sack or throw an interception. I will say this. If the Jets do not turn the ball over more than once in their games going forward, their defense can keep them in the game. It's a very simple way to play football, and it's a way that it used to be done with some regularity in the 80s and 90s, not so much in the pass-happy 2000s, 2010s. But there are many, many teams, and of course the Baltimore Ravens are uh, the sort of focal point that people look at. There are many teams that over the years have ridden defense, a running game, and hidden their quarterback to the Super Bowl. That is, you can play with a passable C-plus quarterback if you can move the ball on the ground and you don't turn the ball over and your defense is really good. And that's the Jets' recipe. That's the way it's going to have to be. If they call on Zach Wilson to do too much, he's not going to be able to do it. So there you have it, my completely non-original, very obvious recipe. The only other thing I want to talk about is Aaron Rodgers now. Many Jet fans like myself mixed feelings when they signed Aaron Rodgers. Not a huge fan. Um, I think he's, well, He I know he's old. Not much precedent for a quarterback that age. Certainly more susceptible to injury than a younger quarterback. That seems very obvious now that he's been knocked out for the season. Was never a big fan of his uh, 
takes on um, COVID and the vaccine seems to be another superstar slash luminary suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. I'll let our audience look that up. Um, And even his tweet today about um, his injury and how heartbroken he is about it strikes a very odd chord. Um, And it seemed heartfelt, and I'm certain that he's heartbroken because there's no question the guy's an outstanding, all-time great quarterback and I'm sure worked his tail off to get into shape to play this season and really looked good in preseason. And I even went to a practice and he looked pretty sharp there too. Um, But in his tweet today, he both identified himself as being humbled by all the support he's received and then followed that up with a segment that made it sound as though he views himself as Jesus and intends to rise again. Um, Not exactly the words of a humble man, um, but refer back to my comments on the Dunning-Kruger effect, and I'm not sure much else needs to be said about that. I will note one other thing that many people who we believe to be smart are less smart than we think they are. Um, that is to say that many people who are the loudest about talking about how smart they are are often the least smart people. And in fact, I think it was Plato writing about Socrates who noted that it was Socrates who believed he was smart only because he realized how little he actually knew. And it seems to me in my life that often the smartest people aren't the people who throw the most facts at you and are the most insistent towards you, but the people who recognize how little they actually know and on the other side of that same coin, how much they have left to learn. So on that note, predictions really quickly. I think the Jets are in trouble against Dallas. All that I've said, notwithstanding, I think the Jets are in trouble, but I think good things can come from the Dallas game. I think it's hard to imagine the Jets winning. I think the offensive line didn't pass block well. They did run block well. So I think the Jets' best bet here is turn this into a defensive slog. No small task in light of how good the Dallas defense is and how capable their offense is, certainly relative to the Jets' offense so far. Um, I think the Jets will struggle to win this one. I'm not going to make a prediction about it. I think it'll be really tough. But I think we can all be positive about the game if the Jets build a program that works for the Jets going forward. Again, that means ball control, few turnovers, and the defense plays well. So my keys here, can they hold Dallas on defense to 20 points or less? And can they turn the ball over less than two times? That, to me, is a sign of progress. It means the Jets designed a good play, it mean, a good offense. It means Zach Wilson implemented it well, I think. And it means the Jets' defense is maybe really, really good. Um, and we'll see. And again, depending on how people respond to this episode, who knows, maybe I'll make this a regular weekly feature, uh, maybe even every Thursday, a day of Jets review slash preview, and um, we'll see how it goes. 
that's it for this episode of Milo Time Jets Review Preview, the very first episode. And be sure to stick around for the new episode of the Milo Time podcast, which will drop as it always does on midnight Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Daryl Kessler signing off. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Thank you.